And then he said, don't wish it was easier, wish you were better. Don't wish for less problems, wish for more skills. I can't catch a break, guys. Yeah. Get them the fuck away from me. I can't, I can't be around those guys. People think, oh well, cleaning your room, that's just a cliche. It's like, yeah, really, eh? Just go ahead and try it. If people had any idea how powerful sleep is for healing from anything, and the fact that it's free. My mind is absolutely bulletproof, solid as a rock. So guys, welcome to another episode of the Fighting Fit Show. Today we are talking about the dark side of weight loss. Particularly we're going to be talking about the biggest loser study. um, And is it safe to lose extreme amounts of weight in a relatively short period of time today i am joined by brandon brandon how are you week of holidays oh, how are you feeling fantastic was it like for, holidays for with, the, with the kiddos or was it just like work um what do you mean like how was it Did it feel like a holiday oh yeah, yeah i felt like a holiday yeah, like i mean like because the, the boys the boys are great and to be fair it's like you just, you'd be looking forward to spending time with them. The, the mornings with we kids is just magic. It's after that, after about one or two o'clock, it descends into madness. Then throw you out. But the mornings are lovely, and normally by that time, Chloe's home. It's all hands on deck. But yeah, no, it's fantastic. And um, Nanny Sandy, mine, Zach, um, normally a night out of the week. We were away the weekend, so that was another night out of the week. Mason's in crash, so it was grand. It was fantastic. Not too bad. Yeah, no, Molly was. The same seems super adorable. Now she's got this thing where she likes to like just ease herself into the day, spends maybe 20, 30 minutes just in the room by herself, chilling Aww. in bed as she wakes up before she can go and be watching her on the monitor and she's being all cute. It's adorable. But anyway, side note, children are adorable. Um but today's podcast, the biggest loser study. Brandon, you brought up this topic uh, for today. What do you feel like our listeners will get out of today's podcast? So what is your hope for the podcast? My hope is that people get a clearer understanding of calories in versus calories out. I feel like this is a horse that's been flogged to absolute death. But I still do feel like there is still a little bit of confusion out there. Like there are so many people that are not losing weight. And despite this, they still believe that they're in a calorie deficit. And I just feel like that's very disheartening. So we need to go into the details and kind of figure out, right, well, what is actually happened as well that's causing that? You know, what, like, why is a number that you call the calorie deficit in the past, or maybe it has worked for you in the past, not working for you anymore? Or maybe, you know, could we start analyzing the fact that maybe you're not actually hitting that number, maybe there's something else going on. And then, you know, what is actually going to happen to the body if we really just, crash thing and or maybe not only in the dramatic sense but what if we crash it by drastically reducing the calories and also what will happen if we chronically reduce your calories that's what i would like for people to under hopefully understand by the end yeah. of this i'm gonna shortcut if you chronically cut your calories you will die of starvation you will you will waste you will waste away and you'll be gone um so okay, sorry. Cool. Just- sorry well i obviously i know that was a joke but i would like to know what i would like to do is obviously because weight loss would be chronic starvation to a point and then you go right i'm happy now all right we'll stop the chronic starvation <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah. let's examine the journey along the way so on your way to to death you know what what should you what will you experience 
Yeah. And I would say, like, what people don't seem to understand about the carry depths, because it can be quite confusing, is a couple of things. First off, it, the goalposts do move. I said a carry deficit when you're 100 kilos, and then you say you lose 10 kilos or 90 kilos, the carry deficit is completely different because a lot of it is based off mass. The bigger and heavier you, and heavier you are, the more calories you burn. Therefore, as you get lighter and leaner, you have less uh, calorie demands per day. So you want Question. to adjust adjust that periodically. Why, if, if fat isn't metabolic, I mean, if fat doesn't cost calories, why would it, my calorie requirement go down? Well, fat is metabolic. Fat does have, a, let's say, a, a, an impact on hormones. As we talked about before, like things like leptin, etc. So it is, um, it is metabolically demanding. I'm not sure if it's mm. very calorie, uh, calorific demanding. Yeah. Let's say, but it's more so because I'm carrying it around. As I remember, if I said you here, man, carry ten kilos around you every day, you're going to expend more calories doing the same work, essentially. So that's kind of one of the one of the key reasons. The next thing with calories is that it's a quite it's you know, what is it, 20 to 30% off, like food packets, food tracking, etc. You know, so it's not exactly, let's say, a perfect system. What I say to clients all the time is calories, calorie counting, flexible diet and all stuff. It's not a perfect system, but it's one of the best systems we have because calories are in all the shops and all the packets and all the stores and all the countries. You know, it's, it's the best we have. It's much easier than cutting sins and points and that kind of stuff. So that's kind of something that I would also say. But do note that again. It is like kind of a 20 to 30%, which is significant. If you're kind of in a slight calorie deficit, 10 20%, you could be tracking perfectly, but just because what's on the label isn't necessarily what's in the packet, that could be kind of be where you're going wrong. So there is, people just have to accept that you're not going to get a perfect plan on day one. It do, is going to require some uh, iteration and some reviewing. And ideally, it's kind of why you're working with a coach, so having somebody, an outside pair of eyes, because I feel like a lot of time you get, um, you know, we get emotionally invested in, into our, our own to actions or whatever and you know um we're not always objective let's say um so exactly. i think that's this, this is a big problem for many people what what are, yeah. you, what, what are you talking about it's like yeah, walking yeah. around your hands with your, you know willfully blind to your own uh, behavior we're all biased everybody's biased if mason got in a fight in school i would nine thousand percent be biased towards his side yeah, regardless he's right. I don't, have, I, don't have, I don't have a choice in that matter. We're like we're just biased towards it's human nature. Obviously, we can we can very consciously do our best to be, you know, aware of our biases and try and work against them and try and find that nice objective kind of stance. But for fat loss, again, this is the issue when you're when you are trying to do something. Nobody wants to be a failure. Nobody wants to be a letdown. Nobody wants to be, you know greedy you know nobody wants to be be perceived as greedy uh, you know we're trying to create an identity to all, all these other people as somebody who's doing the best things and we everybody is fallible so we all make mistakes and so we can kind of fool ourselves and fool other people into kind of thinking oh you know i, I was really good it's like look this is not a judgment call you're gonna have to be more objective here because you're 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 biased right now and when you're in it your subjective experience is such a like I feel like people don't really wait how like extreme it can feel when you're in it. Like it seems so simple. Oh, you're only a little bit hungry. It's like it can literally be overwhelming. And it literally is to the point that it's like let's say you're let's say for toxic, most days you have a negative experience about your own body. You just don't like you really would like to change. You think about it, you know, 40, 50, 60% of the time, you're, oh, every time it's something, oh, it's always something, oh, I'm comfortable in this clothes, oh, I have to go to work, oh, I don't wear it, whatever it is. 
that's how much you want it. And yet and all, your hormones and your subjective experience can cause you to just sell that out because that is human nature again. It's like this this urge you have, this primal urge for food and that battle to deal with eating less food. It's like it's a really, really tough one. And so I feel like if you're a little bit more humble towards it and a little bit more forgiven to yourself, you don't need to be as harsh and you don't need to be you don't don't need to be as defensive. You can be a little bit more humble and understand that that's kind of why the, the twelve steps approach for stuff is like just you know one of the first steps admitting that you're powerless over it. It's like this is this is something that you're gonna if if you struggle with, you know, losing weight because you might have an addiction to food, well then this is something you might be power powerless over and you're gonna have to really kind of come at it with that approach, I think. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. And I think a topic for another podcast would be like just the um big food and how the for one like how the, the food system essentially has been weaponized against you know people that you know it's it's just like again it's like it's it is it's a tough battle because everything is hyper palatable you know hyper hyper sugar high, loads of sugar loads of fats it's designed to you know find the bliss point in your brain all this stuff like and again it's it's super convenient it's everywhere it's it's integrated into our culture it's it's every night out it's every trip to the cinema it's every time you go to the shop it's not like you can avoid it you can't just say you know i'm not going to eat you have to learn to um you know manage this thing so you're gonna have to eat three times a day so like you know it's not like you can just say oh i'm not going to drink i'm just going to avoid pubs and blah blah blah. you can't just avoid it the way maybe you can avoid other things that people uh, can be addicted to so i think that was actually i was looking up a little bit of stuff on that uh, over the last couple of days and that's a very interesting rabbit hole as well so i think we might uh, might explore that maybe a little in a couple of weeks um but let's kind of go back then to the to the biggest loser and just uh, just to kind of finish a, a point you you'd also triggered another thought in my mind when you when you mentioned about you know nobody wants to be nobody wants to be seen as greedy and that's like that's something i see a lot um i see it a lot myself as well but it's more so like nobody wants to admit that they eat too much. Like this yeah. is like they look, they will look everywhere else except. And again, this is this is at the core of the whole calories in, calories out thing. It's like the reason you're overweight, the reason you're carrying too much body fat is over the last few months or the last few years, you've eaten too much relative to the amount that you move. Like that's yeah. it. Like that's like you're taking in too much food. There's too much fuel coming in, and you're not you're not you're not that active. That's the problem. So, so, yeah, one, like, so- Sorry, just just on on the pair with that is like it is. A, I think it's a lot rare, but it is also the case. Like I have noticed, like and again, not a judgment call. There's like people also like like there is literally some people who are physically extremely inactive, like extremely inactive, and they maybe don't even eat that much. It's like maybe you only eat 500 calories more than you should for that movement style per day. But it's like you know, it's like you could get away with eating that much and so much more if you were an active person. But there's some people. Who just hate physical activity. They're so they don't want to go for a walk. You know, like just just again, like and I know I know I know some people and they're very they're very, like very very lovely people and they would laugh about it themselves. Like just like hilariously lazy. Like they just oh I just can't stand it. I really don't like. I hate moving. I hate exercise. It's just so hard. Like and this is and it's like I feel like once we can kind of see the humor in it and because it is quite funny. It's like in some regards it's like come on. It's like you have to learn to laugh yourself. It's like but you also have to learn. It's like you have to toughen up with it because you have to move. It's like, and this is the other side with the hunger is like, you have to learn to hold back here a little bit and, you know, be a little bit more playful with it. I know it can seem very, very serious sometimes, but it's like, look, it's not that serious. Like you're going to have to eat a little bit less and move a little bit more. You can't be lazy. You can't be given into these signs. And I feel like, again, yeah, it's like nobody wants to be greedy and nobody wants to be lazy. Like don't be stigmatized. As, oh, I don't want to be that person. It's like, but unfortunately yeah. it results in speaking to something akin to one of them. 
if you're the the the, the red flag or the trigger is somebody comes to me to say I just eat the wrong things at the wrong time. I'm like, that's it. We have one. We have another one. This is someone who's not willing to admit that they eat too much relative to the amount that they're moving. They're not that active relative to the amount of food that they're eating. Um, and I think that is important. And also, like we, because obviously we deal with a lot of ladies as well. I think over maybe about sixty percent of our of our clients would be ladies. So ladies in general tend to be more petite. Like say, like you know, typically you know five two, five three, five four, five five. Um, and maybe they haven't been training consistently over the last number of years. They don't necessarily have a, a large amount of muscle mass. People starting off anyway. Um, and obviously, as you get older, and particularly for females, it can be hard to accumulate any decent amount of, of muscle mass and say over the course of maybe three to six months anyway. But that's another reason. It's like I plug these ladies into a BMR calculator and say this lady's five foot two, maybe 60 kilograms, wants to lose a stone. Uh, you know, it's like you really have to take the slow approach because. Their BMRs are only like they're based on metabolic rate, like they're only burning maybe 12 or 1400 calories. They're not that active because maybe they've got a desk job that requires them to, you know, sit down for six, eight hours a day. Maybe they've got to commute to work. Maybe they've got kids and stuff or whatever, whatever the, the lifestyle situation is that, the, the, that you know, it's, it's a struggle, let's say, to get 10,000 steps. Like these people are only burning 18, 1900 calories. Like they'd be below the, you know, the typical 2000 calories for a female. Two and a half thousand calories from there, let's say. So they'd be below that. So their total calorie burn for the day, based on because their activity levels are quite low and because they're they're quite uh, small and petite, like they don't have a huge engine, they're only burning maybe you know eighteen hundred calories a day, even with some some activity. So that then means that for us to lose, then their expectations are, I want to lose a pound or two a week, and for us to lose two pounds a week, you have to you know one thousand calorie deficit. So that means that you'd have to eat eight hundred calories a day to lose two pounds in a week. Sorry, like, one thousand calorie deficit per day. Sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry, one thousand calories per day to lose day. to lose to lose two pounds uh, per week to say there's roughly what which is a lot. Say, I know it changes a lot. So it's, it's like it's also it's like what we need to do is we need to two two options. We can well three options. We can really we can starve ourselves and eat eight hundred calories, which is probably not going to last very long, and this is what people do, and this is why it only it only lasts for a couple of weeks and until it kind of we, we fall off track. Or we need to we need to stretch out the time horizon and say okay instead of losing two pounds a week what if i lost half a pound a week for a year you know I mean? and i could and i would still be able to eat you know 1600 calories a day i'd be able to have three four hundred calorie meals and have a couple hundred calories left for snacks like you know I, I could prioritize training and performance i could i could have good energy build some muscle mass it's going to increase my metabolism over the long term etc so i think these are the problems um i think the activity level is is one of the ones that a lot of ladies need to or more so not need to but more so it's the most productive place to focus their effort and energy if you just try to be a little bit more active um because if you're getting six eight thousand steps and you're you know you're five foot four or less like you just you're just really not burning that much calories every day so it is really going to feel extremely restrictive for you to see you know one two pounds like one pound a week is still going to be relatively uh, restrictive so what people should because everybody has a a target in the mind and this is where we go wrong a lot of the time where like you know the standard is, you know, one, two, three pounds a week. People kind of think this, and maybe because they've never really done it for more than two or three weeks, and then exactly. the first couple of weeks, they're you know, losing exactly. a lot of and stuff like that. So, like, their standard is, oh, I can, I, I can lose three, four pounds in a week. Or when I done this other program, I lost three. I was like, yeah, okay, well, how long did that last? Where did you actually keep the weight off? Because you, you lost a lot of water weight and stuff in the first, because you cut a, cut a lot of shit, you dropped a lot of water weight, less salt in your system, less carbohydrates, processed foods, etc. 
So now, but now the standard becomes three or four pounds a week, and it's like, well, that wasn't actually that wasn't actually fat loss. That was just weight loss. You know, you you, you kind of flush a lot of it out. Um, so I think that's important. But again, the next big factor is like, right, look, what lifestyle changes can you commit to? That's the big. That's the biggest question, and you don't have to commit to them forever. And so, like, it's a new, it's a nuanced conversation. So it's like initially, it's like if you want to lose big weight, it's like get big mileage on on on, on your steps. You know, it's like turn into a cardio bunny for four months, where you like you're doing your weight training, obviously try and build muscle and increase that basal metabolic rate. So if we pack on two three pounds of lean muscle, you know, we could get an extra four hundred calories out of your day, hopefully. You know, but another way that we could do that in the short term is like, why don't you get up at six o'clock in the morning and go for an hour walk every single day, like. What, what kind of effect do you think that would have on your, your calorie burn? Like in yeah. over the course of, of two months and also then pay attention to your diet. And so you can't be too restrictive with your diet, but you can't not bother your arse with your diet at all. And so this is the kind of thing that we get into. It's like you're going to go through a period where you're going to have to suffer a little bit and people just don't want to do it, to be fair. And an awful lot of people do. And I was actually talking to a woman today in the session and you can, you can really tell when somebody has flipped the switch. Like you can really just tell and... There's some people who, again, already, I say, get up at 6, 6 a.m. in the morning and go for an hour walk, and that's them lost. Like, I'm not doing it. And so, look, whatever level of sacrifice you're willing to, to, to make, it's like, but I would say it's like, again, back to the biggest losers. Like, if we go too far in an extreme, it's not going to work. Because if we don't go that far at all, you're not going to end up anywhere. It's like, don't worry about the biggest loser problem because you're not even going to have the weight loss problem to begin with. But the biggest loser problem comes from, it's like, when we just take that to, it's drastic. Now, these people, we talk about social leverage all the time. These people, the only reason that they were successful is because of social leverage. Like they were basically, this is what happens when you leverage people in like to the nth degree and just absolutely squeeze every drop of energy, make them as miserable as you can, like in this vacuum. And then the issue with the biggest loser is that once these people come out of this vacuum, it's like now we're really dead left with who they, who they are as a person what their lifestyle is, what their likes and dislikes is, is like that initial problem that should be getting solved from the jump anyway, is like still isn't solved, except now you just have this person who is like has lost a lot of weight. And, you know, maybe now even again, like another element to it is like now has all these expectations on them. And again, they, now they're in a negative mindset, but oh, now they're gaining weight. It's like, oh, fuck. Now if I'm not losing five pounds in a week, I'm a failure. And it's like, Jesus Christ, what a, what a, what a bar to set. Um, but before before we get into the, or maybe we'll go straight into the biggest loser. I sent you a link there, um, the last one. I, I found a, a really cool case study from precisionnutrition.com. If anyone just Google precision nutrition, the biggest loser study, you'll find the you'll find the article. Precision Nutrition is a is a fantastic uh, uh, nutrition coaching company. Uh, the guys have all been certified by Precision Nutrition. Um, so this is a, this is a really good, a really good, um, a really good article, a really good look at this because this is obviously, uh, let's say, the dark side of weight loss. So this is essentially as a, as extreme as it gets when it comes to. I imagine, I imagine you're going to open this, right? Well, I'm I'm, I'm going to you keep because I don't want to I don't want to necessarily put it up on the screen because last time I kind of uh, ruined it ruined it for people when he was kind of editing after. So I said people who want to follow along, just go precisionnutrition.com forward slash the biggest loser study. Um, and you, you you can kind of follow along, but you can pull it up on your on your laptop screen there, Brand, if you want. Um, yep. I'm going to scroll through it here. So it opens with we'll read through this. We'll kind of stop periodically as we kind of as as we come through or find a couple of golden nuggets. But will decades of dieting mean a broken metabolism? It's a common anxiety 
Case in point, the biggest loser whose contestants are famous for dramatic weight loss and for the devastating regain that sometimes follows. In this article, we break down a study examining exactly what happened to their metabolisms and what is meant, what, what this means for everyone else who wants to lose weight and keep it off. Okay. So I lost a bunch of weight, then I regained it. Did I screw up my metabolism? Will I ever be lean again? But I'll kind of paraphrase here. Take the biggest loser, perhaps the most famous example of this type of uh, made for TV metabolic drama. Uh, competitors running on treadmills with tears streaming down their faces, trainers screaming, how this happened to you, montages set to emotive music before jeans juxtaposed with new slim bodies, and then a devastating return to their old bodies in the months that followed. So is it the biggest uh, is it possible to lose a lot of weight and keep the weight off? What can the biggest loser teach us? In this article, we look at like, a, an academic study that examined exactly what happened to their bodies and what this means for you. And the cool thing about this article is that it can discuss as a study like they actually followed these guys and done a, a pretty in-depth study into what happened to their bodies afterwards, the study their metabolism. So this kind of whole thing, if I lose a lot of weight in a short period of time, will my metabolism slow down? And um, there's a lot of interesting theories. I've got my own theories on this, but I think one thing people need to understand with science is like it's not it's not as black and white as people think it is. There's many, many, many hypotheses, hypotheses, um, and there's necessarily no 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 straight answer, or, or more so they don't know as much as they let on a lot of the time. Um, but anyway, so here's the media narrative of what happened. The biggest losing contestants regain most or all of the weight once cameras get turned off. This is caused by and or leads to down metabolisms, psychological trauma and shame. Trying to lose weight and keep it off is hopeless, okay? So that's kind of the, the common narrative, okay? Like people can't lose weight. And again, the studies do show that, you know, I think like 70, 80% of people that lose weight do gain the weight back. So like, you know, we're not necessarily having a lot of success um, as, a, as a culture, let's say, uh, with maintaining a healthy weight okay but is the story true what does this prove and is it really possible uh, impossible to sustain weight loss let's dig a little deeper okay so things we're going to question we're going to ask what happens to the body uh, to the body weights and metabolisms of the biggest losing contestants in the years after they appear on the show why what does this mean for regular folk who want to lose weight and keep it off Okay, so to explore these questions, the study looked at three key indicators in 14 men and women who participated in season eight of The Biggest Loser 2009. One was body composition. Uh, is someone's ratio of fat mass to lean mass? Um, for good health and physical function, we want less fat mass and more lean mass in general. I know from experience, because I've seen this before, that a lot of the weight these guys lose when they do these extreme diets, one of the dark sides of extreme weight loss is that you're not losing fat, you're actually losing lean tissue. Um, well, as well. As well, but again, but uh, as far as I remember, I, I don't remember well enough the quote. I'm sure it's going to come up here somewhere, but it's more. You lose more lean mass than no, actually no, maybe that's not true. It uh, couldn't be if these guys are losing losing crazy amounts of weight loss. Um, but it's a significant percentage. It's like 25 percent, something like that. Well, any um, any any lean mass, given how fucking hard it is to build, is fucking significant. You don't lose any. But yeah, yeah. also, but also, lean mass, lean mass is, is is everything except the fat. So it does also include, you know, water oh. weight and stuff like that as well. Um, oh. But still, next one then is resting metabolic rate. So RMR is the number of calories a resting body burns in a day without activity. Weight loss aside, smaller bodies require less energy to maintain and should have lower RMRs. RMR, resting meta metabolic rate. Bigger bodies require more energy and should have higher RMR. So this is what we said earlier on, like the, the smaller, more petite ladies have just got lower metabolic demands because they've got smaller engines, just got smaller bodies. And last not least is leptin levels. So leptin is a hormone that among other things gets released after we eat, suppressing our appetite and increasing energy expenditure to help keep our calories in, calories at balance and our weight stable. In general, the more fat cells in your body, the higher your leptin, since leptin helps regulate RMR, the two should rise and fall together, okay? 
So let's see. Phyloreptin essentially is the is, is a hormone that essentially allows you to be full. There is a, a theory called leptin resistance that when people are significantly overweight, that because the body is producing so much leptin, that their body down regulates a signal so that the body can essentially, it's kind of like insulin resistance. The body stops listening. It's like the leptin is always, always elevated. So the body becomes much less sensitive to it. So overweight people have much a much more difficult time recognizing when they're hungry or satisfied. So that's kind of why leptin is a very powerful hormone for, for weight loss because leaner people, you know, they maybe get that satiety signal um, a little bit quicker and it's easier for them to, let's say, stop eating beyond the point at which they're full, uh, let's say, okay? Um, da -da 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 -da. Well, when the filming starts. So when the filming starts, the biggest loser participants are morbidly obese, exceeding their ideal weight by 100 pounds or more. Over the course of 30 weeks, they're supervised and coached by the show's trainers and all that. So it's a 30-week 30, 30 program. The contestants eat a, res a diet restricted to about 1,200 calories per day. So again, so this is a significant... These guys, these these are, are, are you know, a couple hundred pounds overweight. Like, you know, these guys would be in, you know, probably a 1,500 to 2,000 calorie deficit per day. Per day. Uh, obviously, they're, if they're giving everybody 1,200 calories, again, that's the first criticism I would have, like, you know, it should be a little bit more personalized to like, you know, the guy that's six foot and the lady that's five foot two, they probably should have a different, uh, different calorie amount. Um, contestants do at least 90 minutes of intense exercise every day, six days per week. After filming the show, contestants return to real life without continued supervision or guidance as to how to maintain the nutrition and exercise regime, which again is actually insane that they don't offer support to these people outside, uh, outside of the challenge. But anyway, so initial assessments, this is the methodology. So before the first appearance in the show in 2009, contestants went through a battery of tests that assessed things like resting metabolic rate, physical activity uh, expenditure, total energy expenditure, blood chemistry, and then the follow-up. Uh, six years after the show, subjects returned to the, to the lab for a complete follow-up. Two weeks before the study officially started, participants weighed themselves on special digital scales that transmitted their data to the researchers. This early start helped ensure that people didn't try to change their weight before the study began, which would skew the results. Once in the lab, researchers again measured the subject's RMR, which is resting metabolic rate, uh, total energy expenditure, and physical activity expenditure. They also performed blood work. They then compared the results to their 2015 testing and and their 29 testing, here are the results, okay? So the average weight before filming, The Biggest Loser, was 328 pounds, okay? So that was the average weight, okay? The next one, after the challenge, the average weight was 199 pounds, okay? 199 pounds. So that means these people lost an average, an average of 100, 129 pounds, okay? Which is insane, especially in 30 weeks. What is 30 weeks? So is that six months? 12, 24, yes, yeah, so it's over, just over six months, okay, so that's a, 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 a crazy amount of weight loss, all right, so a lot of weight loss happened. The average weight after six years, okay, was 290 pounds, okay, so they gained back almost 100 pounds, so on average, they gained back about 90 pounds, so they lost 129, but gained back about 90, okay, so on average, they kept off maybe 30, 40 pounds, but they gained back the vast majority of the weight. This means that on average, Participants regained 70% of the weight they'd lost, although they did keep 30% off, okay? So resting metabolic rate. The average resting metabolic rate before filming was 2,600 calories, okay? And the average RMR after 30 weeks in the show was 1,966 calories. So again, you can probably, you know, equate for that because if these people have lost an average of over 100 pounds, 129 pounds, you would expect the resting metabolic rate to go down. There's, 30, there's then, 30, 30 pounds difference in the average weight between both measurements and RR. So really, it's a it is a little bit 
big of a of a reduction in RMR, but it, it there is thirty pounds there. It's maybe you maybe expect three hundred calories, so it, it does seem a little bit bigger than you'd like. But in fact, given the fact they're all thirty pounds lighter, you'd expect some reduction in the RMR. Yeah. But the problem here, the average after six years then was nineteen hundred calories, so it actually decreased oh, even oh, further. Oh, Jesus! So right, fact, it's six after the show. After, yeah, this, 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 is, this is kind of getting to the crux of it. Is if like, is this, is this a good strategy for people to lose weight? Um, average armor six years after the final weigh-in, so nineteen hundred calories, so it decreased even again, even though they gained back seventy percent mm. of the weight loss. So they gained back again about you know ninety pounds, but their metabolism was actually still lower before exercise obviously that's very surprising surprisingly despite the weight regain participants were burning 700 fewer calories per day at rest versus when they started the show this is about 500 fewer calories than we expect them to burn based on predictive equations that take into account your body weight so yeah so typically taking the weight loss into account you know it's still 500 calories less than you'd expect so you would expect the resting metabolic rate to go down but you'd only expect to go down by as you said a couple hundred calories um but this has obviously decreased significantly despite the fact that they've gained back the weight. Okay. So next we talk about lean body mass. Okay. Um, as an indication of muscle mass, again, it's lean body mass is everything except the fat. So it's not necessarily muscle, but it's again, it's a, it's, it's a good indicator. Average lean body mass before filming was 167 pounds. And this is where I think they do the, they do the damage from the, with the, with the severe calorie deficit with the 90 minutes of training per day. Um, this is where they do the damage. This is the, the dark side uh, in a nutshell i think average lean body mass before filming 167 pounds average lean body mass after 30 weeks of the show was 142 pounds okay average lean body mass six years after the final weigh-in was 155 pounds so participants lost 25 pounds of lean mass during the filming of the show they did end up gaining about 13 pounds of it back however that didn't help to elevate the rmr as we might have expected which is very interesting um so like yeah so 25 pounds of lean mass is a lot um you know so even as, even as a percent as a percentage but leptin uh, levels before filming so this is the leptin the, the hunger hormone it's, it's called typically average leptin before filming was 41 uh, uh, nanograms per milliliter, per milliliter. Uh, average leptin after 30 weeks in the show was 2.56 nanograms per milliliter and then average leptin six years after the final weigh-in was 27.68 nanograms per milliliter. As you'd expect, participants' leptin levels went, went down when fat decreased and went up again when fat came back, okay? So that's actually not too bad. So the, the leptin did, did decrease as the fat decreased. So let me see. So why did they regain the weight, okay? So this is obviously a complicated question, but maybe before we go into that, Brian, any, any, any input on, the, on them stats so far? All that's going through my head this entire time is just kind of like, what we they, what, I I seen I seen a, a video one time and it was a you know somebody's theory somebody's hypothesis saying you know we don't have an obesity issue in this country we have a lack of lean muscle t- tissue in this in this country that's the problem so the problem is like I said it's like the issue is that we're too focused on dragging and draining the body of the fat instead of fueling it and building muscle and creating that stimulus to get the muscle to become more metabolic and again like everybody wants to do things just far too extreme and again obviously as we can see it's like there's not a, like there's not a dramatic difference like it's not crazy there's a path but like where people my metabolism's in the time like, listen you're still far more still 1900 calories you know you still lose weight on that it's not it's worse than it was before because you've done something crazy which is you know fair enough and you're in a worse situation now because of it because realistically, there is no easy road here. It's like what you need to do is like you need to adopt the lifestyle. It's like you need to pick a sport 
and become an athlete. It's like if that's walking your sport, if ping pong your sport, and start like nourishing yourself as an athlete, because like there is, there doesn't seem to be any free dinner here. Like you can't do a thirty week program and then that's your life fixed. It's like it just it just doesn't work. And it obviously again, yeah, it's like to try and do it so extreme. There's there is an extreme uh, result. Like something I'm only kind of coming to terms with now after years of boxing is like. I don't know why I hadn't got the sense when I was younger, but I mean, like from boxing, all the hits in the head, it's like, you know, it definitely did damage. It's like, there's no, there's no way you're getting away with any kind of extreme thing you've taken on in your life. Like you're not going to do anything extreme and not have some kind of ramification to it. I don't think, you know, it's like, so this is, this is just, you know, this is the fat loss version of that. It's like, you can't, yeah, you can't just eat whatever you want for years and years and years. And then, you know, do the most drastic thing. I just think it's absolutely insane that they were allowed to do that to people. It's like, saying, like obviously, like, I mean, it's only TV and, you know, everybody's free to do whatever they want anyway, but it's like, yeah, 1,200 calories to everybody, no matter what, and then, like, just absolutely flogging the shite out of it doesn't seem like a good idea. And the fact that there's no aftercare and all that kind of stuff also seems extreme. But I feel like it's very hard, like, we do it for a living to take people for any longer. Like, they've already got 30 weeks. It's like, how long? It's over half a year. So it's like, you know, how, how are you supposed to, like, these people really have to want to change their lifestyle. And I feel like that's the bit that people just don't want. People just want to be cozy at, at, at a certain level. Like, they just don't want to continue the grind. But, it, but it's, also, it's also the glorification of, of weight loss no matter what. You know, so it's yeah. like, if I, if I stand on the scale, the bigger number on the scale, the bigger the, you know, minus five, minus ten, the bigger the, bigger the number. The biggest the loser. Exactly, you know, so it's... It's 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 obviously it's a it's a let's say it's a toxic concept to begin with, um, because as I said like as as we kind of talk about like you know it doesn't it doesn't address the trauma it doesn't address the 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 routines the rituals um, the the community the support network the you know finding a methodology of exercise that the likes of what the project done is reinforced the that I don't like weight loss or I don't like exercise yeah, exercise yeah, yeah. Or rather than yeah. getting them out like you know playing a bit of football or a bit of tennis or bat like you know it doesn't necessarily obviously as you said like I feel like you know we really do need to have some element of weightlifting like most people really should lift weights two to three times a week just for, for health because strength is the the number one indicator of longevity let's say the people who are or let's say the healthiest the longest strength is one of them key things. Usually, like you know, the grip, the grip strength test is is, is usually a decent indicator. Um, but I, I, just feel, I feel like if you were to, if you were to have a think about this study in regards to it's like if it wasn't if it wasn't weight loss, if it was heroin or cocaine or alcoholism, and it was like you know the biggest the biggest health arm, you know, it's like who could improve their health markers the most with this, and you know you really controlled everybody. It's like you would expect a large amount of people to be back on the sauce or back on, on, on the powder or whatever it is, you know, by the end of it, because that's human nature. Like we know the numbers. It's like, there's a very few amount of outliers and most people will always succumb to human nature. Like even in the best programs, even with the best support, even with the best families, even with the money, even it's like, it's human nature. Like this is such a human problem. It's like, and again, we can go back to the rat experiment, you know, where people have this amazing community, this amazing environment that, the tendency for this stuff to just go down but as i said like it doesn't address the trauma it's like there's people who are just in a certain spot in their mind that they have their crutch and they need their crutch and obviously yes 100 percent, most people with the right attitude and the right amount of dedication can get it but the numbers show that the vast majority of people don't succeed 
you know, with this kind of stuff. And that's why it's like, you know, if you're listening to this and you are that, it's like, if you were to be that outlier and you were to do the work, it's like, and you and all your friends were to do it, the numbers show that 80% or 70% probably wouldn't. And there'd be a very one or two years that would actually manage to do it. And like, and like, who, how do you, how do you know? Like, what is, what is that thing, that tangible thing? And like, so it's like, can you blame the biggest loser? It's like, yeah, it's like there's probably lots of stuff that they could, could have done better, you know, and there's definitely a better way to do that show. But even if you were to do it better, you know, you're just going to increase your win rate. There's still going to be a substantial amount who, you know, didn't, didn't keep the weight off. Yeah. Yeah. And again, just to pump just uh, you know, like um, toot our own horn for a second like what is the be- what is the better approach the better pro- approach is more personalized nutrition like uh, say coaching and accountability and support structure and systems in place that when you fall off track that you do get that support like you know you don't show up at the gym somebody's calling you somebody's checking in you know, you're expected to go exercise three four days a week that you're so we're kind of building out this lifestyle building out this structure and this support network so that you can stay on track over the long term because obviously our success rate is, you know, much higher than the typical, um, you know, 80, 90% failure rate that, that we kind of see across the board where we'd be kind of more 80, 20, um, you know, 80%. And again, not necessarily with all things all the time, but at least 80% of our clients at least get a good exercise routine going over the course of, uh, over the course of a couple of months, you know? So um, I think that's, this is what we need to do. Like my belief is that like our model is, best thing that i can see in terms of how we can actually help people be successful over the long term and it's true this kind of you know a community-based micro gyms you know so not these big 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 facilities where you know you're just a face in the crowd but a small gym 150 200 300 people maybe even smaller um you know where you've got a relationship with the coach the coach knows, knows what you're good at what you're not so good at what your goals are they can personalize their approach to, to kind of suit you they can offer you some support they notice when you're not there this is the kind of stuff that i feel like we need and hopefully over time i feel like there is obviously a definite shift from these kind of you know big type you know planet fitness type you know uh, low value um low price uh, large facility type places to more places like up us more community community based gyms they're kind of popping up popping up all the time and i think that's um that's a great thing i feel like this is this is the best solution that we have right now um because i can remember like even someone that struggles with my struggle my weight for 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 the longest time and just wishing that i could do the biggest loser when i was younger like oh i wish i could get on that show i just go in there and transform my life and then everything will be everything will be better but at that point you don't really realize that Again, unless you go through the identity shift, unless you pick up the habits and the routines and the knowledge and the information and to have the support, like you're, you'll always end up back. You'll always end up back at square one. Like, and, and, and we see, we see, we see it all the time. Um, you know, somebody comes in, does this program, smashes it, and then you see them maybe six months, twelve months later. Well, stop what was I, working. They just, you stop doing what was working. For here's here's what makes me really nervous like and, and i know again i don't sometimes i'll say it to them depending on what kind of mentality that i think but if i see someone come in and do too well initially it makes me very nervous because i'm like oh it's like you're you're a biggest loser you're doing the extreme approach and so i can gauge from this that your habits aren't sustainable so i'm now again hyper uh, what would you say vigilant for making sure that you can maintain this and 
I would say nine times out of ten, when you see somebody comes in four pounds, three pounds, three pounds, three pounds, two pounds, it's like, when's this? When's the wheels gonna come off here? You know what I mean? And I would 100. There's always outliers. Like I literally have like five people at the moment who did that and are keeping the weight off. They're the outliers. But for that, there's been 20 people who've did it and are gone now and have gained more weight because again, it's like the the approach that they tried was an extreme approach which is fantastic in terms of sheer numbers, but it's not fantastic in terms of long-term success. And it's like, realistically, when we paint a vision of what you want, do you want short-term big results or do you want long-term fantastic results? And it's like, and realistically, you have to be a little bit more conservative, but and most people just, they're not mature enough in their thinking to understand that the slow and steady approach is best. They just, they're too short-term, they want the result and they want it yesterday and they're going to do anything, whatever it takes, except for, go slow and steady, <laughs> you know, which is, which is hilarious to me because like I am a big fan of the hardest route possible. And sometimes the hardest route possible is the boring and slow route. It's like, that is realistically, if we look at it, it's like, it's like, it's very easy to work hard for an hour. It's very, it's very hard to work moderate for 24 hours. It's like, that's, that's the real work. It's like, but we'd much rather say, Oh, well, I worked so intensely for an hour and then did fuck all for the rest of the 23 hours and feel great about that hour. Yeah. The approach is a slow grind for four months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's very it's, it's it's very interesting. Then to go back to this article here, it kind of goes on to the metabolic adaptation and kind of why this happens. Like what is metabolic adaptation? It's essentially a natural defense mechanism against starvation. When you're dieting at a certain point, your body will send up a red flag uh, because you know your 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 let's say your calories are, are chronically low, your body's not getting the the the, the calories it needs. Um, at that point, your resting water break will slow down. Metabolic adaptation can take can make more can t- make things more complicated and frustrating for dieters hope to continue or maintain the weight loss. But as I would say there the nuance would be with the same approach because again what, what was a calorie deficit before is no longer a calorie deficit is why can you need to constantly look at these things um and, and kind of tweak your strategy every every few weeks or every few months once their body's red flag was up calorie restriction no longer has the same effect it did at the beginning of the diet suddenly they need to cut more calories just to maintain the same weight while this is sometimes framed as metabolic damage it's really just your body's way of trying to keep you alive what was interesting about the study, it showed that participants' RMR stayed low despite weight regain, even though participants were larger six years later. They weren't burning more calories at rest. Uh, muscle maintenance, theoretically, the more muscle you have, the more calories you burn at rest, but that's not happening with these participants. And time passing. We used to think that metabolic adaptation may reverse with time, and it might, but here we see that even six years isn't enough. In the end, as you can see in the following graph, participants' metabolisms were just as low six, after six years, after, despite the fact, again, hundred pounds back uh, versus the end of the show. But I would say, like you know, they didn't get, they probably didn't get muscle back because they gained fat back. So it's not necessarily going to increase their, let's say, their their, their muscle mass. Um, so I'm not surprised that that's you know relatively relatively the same despite gaining back a lot of fat. Um, let me see. Next, it was on the leptin. As expected, the biggest loser participants experienced a huge drop in leptin when they lost the weight in 2009. When they regained weight, leptin rose accordingly, but there are two sticking points here. One, normal leptin doesn't may, mean it's easy to control your appetite. Pre-biggest loser, these folks were used to eating a certain amount. Now they need less to stay smaller, of course. If they went back to those same amounts, rather than following their natural physical satiety signals, it's easy to understand why they gained weight. 
the participants leptin and RMR are no longer linked. If the two usually rise and fall together, why didn't RMR go back up as leptin did when the weight was regained? This could also lead to weight regain. Even if participants followed hunger cues and stopped eating when satisfied, they'd be more they'd be eating more than needed considering their low RMR. So let me see there just to confirm that. So if the two usually rise and fall together, why didn't RMR go back up as leptin did? So I would say leptin went up because fat increased, RMR didn't go up because muscle didn't increase. I would assume that's that's kind of the key reason for that. The 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 the, um, the resting model will create the lean mass increase, but I assume that would be, would have been you know water weight, glycogen, etc. The majority of it anyway. I assume they weren't putting putting a lot of muscle back on. But I, I've always been interested. Like if you're kind of big, if you're carrying 100 200 pounds, like are you building muscle just walking around? Um, Probably are a little bit, I would, I would well, assume. Well, it's like doing farmers walk, farmers walks all day, carrying you know 20, 30 kilos in each hand. Well, it's the, the stimulus is there, but it's like again, you have to think about think about your nutrition. It's like if your nutrition is there, back it up. It's like you probably will, hundred percent. Yeah. So for and, and guys, again, to... sorry, and again, like mo like most most people who are overweight do have good strong legs. Like if you've yeah. been chronically overweight, like they will have stronger legs, and there is, I would say, you know, a little bit of um, like your hormone profile let's again your leptin and, and ghrelin the reason that you more easily become overweight is because you're an endomorph or you're like there's there's no there's no ectomorphs out there who are walking around like massively over, overweight building muscle because like their body type is pre predisposed to building muscle it's like and so therefore is more predisposed to hunger so it's like their body's like, great let's fuel this muscle let, let let's go and obviously then you pair that with the bliss point and so now we're eating enough to build our muscle based on our hunger cues but the food is hyper calorie dense because of the age that we live in so it's like if you were listening to your hunger cues you should have quite big hunger cues plenty of carbohydrates fats and protein but when we start eating snickers bar and listen to those bigger hunger cues it's like well it doesn't you know, it doesn't equate to just the lean muscle mass that your body would maybe be designed and plus the little bit of extra body fat that fuels said muscle. Whereas like somebody who's an, an ectomorph, you know, somebody who's generally narrower shoulder, narrow waist, as opposed to endo, which is broader shoulder, broader waist, and then meso, which be, um, I, you know, the athletic build, broad shoulders, narrow waist for men, broad waist, narrow waist for ladies. And so it's like there is hormonal predispositions for those and that's why endomorphs people who are stockier square shouldered square um, waist men and women just generally tend to be more overweight because you guys are born hungrier <laughs> you know it's like that's like like not everybody's hormone setup is the same out the gate and so that's something to take in consideration like there are people who are just genetically predisposed to having a bigger appetite and carrying a little bit more body fat that doesn't mean that you have to be obese, but it means that your hormone setup is different. Same way as like in the whole gym culture now, there's hard gainers. There is people out there who literally train like fucking crazy and they're still wiry because they just haven't got the hormone set up to allow them to eat that much food. And you'll hear the big muscle bound guys, you know, on TikTok and Instagram. It's like, you have to eat. You're not eating enough. Like same way as people scream at, you know, people who are overweight. It's a calorie deficit. It's like, it's, listen, I know what you feel like is one thing, but the actual reality of the fact is that you are listening to your body when in reality, 
you're not eating enough to build muscle. You're not eating, you're eating too much to lose fat. It's, it's very simple, but your hormone setup is different. And then you have the mesomorphs in the middle who are building all the muscle and burning all the fat because they're just in that, that, that nice middle, Sweet. middle ground. Yeah, just and just elaborate on that, like as you kind of talk about, like people have different hormone setups and like so that would like practically that would mean that these kind of the say these leaner people, these hard gainers, would be that their hormones like they they've got more much more sensitive to leptin, let's say, so therefore it's harder for them to eat because they get that's a tidy signal, let's say, much earlier than other people, so they don't have a huge appetite, appetite, and then other things like they're just more more fidgety, etc. They just kind of tend to be a little more active and stuff, so they're they're, they're burning more calories per day almost unconsciously um but again it's like if you if you if you force fed them and you know sent them to the gym like they would they would gain uh, gain uh, a decent amount of size um but let's go back back to this so this is kind of now where the nice part where it kind of goes into the nuance here so it says you know does it mean it's impossible to sustain weight loss it's clear that when you lose a lot of weight you're up against a lot of very real psychological changes if you want to maintain the weight loss but there's a lot of important information we don't know about the biggest loser contestants and i also think it's important to say like like we probably shouldn't frame put this up as you know as 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 you know the 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 poster boy for weight loss because i said this is a very extreme approach and you know not recommended um for 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 anybody in my opinion but you know so we shouldn't necessarily be calling this the, the standard for weight loss but but regardless of all the flaws of the biggest loser approach um what is what what are we not saying what are we not what do we not know about the people here so again this is a television program it's not a, in itself controlled research um, or, or, uh, or say an accurate scientific study but the study uh, with this study research are trying to make sense of what actually happened after the fact the initial conditions themselves are mostly a mystery that all that means all kinds of factors could have influenced the outcomes what kind of foods they're eating uh, were they eating whole foods or processed uh, diet foods did they take any supplements or drugs could psychological stress have played a role we just don't know any of this but all these factors could affect the contestants abilities to sustain the weight loss over the long term and then finally what are the the participants lives like so um the participants reported maintaining the biggest loser approved nutrition regimen and exercise level over the six-year period but self-reported data are numerously unreliable okay that's very interesting the participants reported maintaining the biggest loser approved nutrition regimen okay so that's interesting but self-reported data yeah yeah i would i would have strong doubts about that as well but self-reported data are notoriously unreliable it's not a flaw of these particular people it's just how humans work again i said the easiest person to lie to is yourself i said we kind of touch an area on like it's very easy to fool yourself into thinking i'm doing everything possible i'm trying my absolute best when you know uh, maybe if you had be able to take a step back you can see that there's you know there's many many opportunities to, to improve just, every day just on that like i i watched an episode of the biggest loser and literally within three weeks your man was back at the drive-thru for breakfast getting donuts it's like mm-hmm. that's like like that that to me is just like again what happened now whether or not your man seen that as like oh i'm the biggest cheat ever or whether or not he was just like oh sure it's only a few donuts it's like that's very easy to just like oh right off oh, sure, it's only especially, one and especially on the day just kind of go like on the day that the cameras are coming cameras like, are you'd, at least, you'd at least pretend you'd at yeah, least i know yeah the fact yeah. that he's doing that on camera shows that it just uh, it's it's probably it's, it's well, all, definitely like, ordered half the portion on that day you yeah. know he did get the milkshake and the chicken burger as well yeah yeah, yeah. I, I um, just got to let me see so some of the participants were able to keep weight off for years before return so questions arise like is the weight regain the result of unfortunate physiological uh, exclusive exclusively are they eating more and exercising less than they think they are is psychological stress and weight regain in a public setting playing a role here again we don't have answers and all of this can affect the person's ability to maintain the weight did they regain the weight because they lost it quickly 
The Biggest Loser program helps contestants lose weight at a rate you rarely see elsewhere. Many people are speculating that this is the reason for the participants' persistent metabolic adaptation and weight regain. That's a convenient explanation, but not necessarily an accurate one. Another study compared the Biggest Loser participants' weight loss with gastric bypass. This is where it gets interesting. About six months after surgery and found something surprising. The two groups lost a comparable amount of weight in, in, in half a year, but the gastric bypass patients experienced half the metabolic adaptation. Okay, so after a full 12 months and after losing even more weight, the gastric bypass group had very slightly higher metabolism than predicted. Uh, it's very slightly eight calories, eight calories extra per day. Uh, what's more, the gastric bypass group didn't lose any more muscle lean mass than the biggest loser group, despite not having stru a structured exercise program. Obviously, gastric bypass is about as fast as it gets. So how, so how fast you lose the weight isn't likely the, the determining factor. But even if the biggest loser study suggested the rapid weight loss is not effective, there is no reliable data indicating that slow weight loss is more effective either, um, which is also interesting because we think that, yes, yeah, slow and steady wins the race. But again, there's a lack of evidence that shows that's uh, uh, the proper approach over the long term. Also, I would speculate this whole thing. And this kind of goes back to, you know, uh, the obesity code and fasting and different things. I would assume that the, the main reason for the metabolic adaptation is the extreme exercise not necessarily the extreme um the extreme dieting let's say i feel like it's well, the combination of it's the combination of two that's literally just proved by what they said about the gastric i 100 agree with you it's like well what is the gastric fan group missing it's all they're missing is the drastic exercise yeah exactly so yeah so we had probably eating the same probably extremely low calories when you get to a gastric diet like you're probably eating what 800 to 1200 calories a day anyway and you like you literally can't eat any more than that you just literally don't have the stomach capacity to do so so i think that's that there is very interesting yeah but i think these guys did it i'm not sure it didn't say in long term uh, there but i have seen stuff that the the gastric bypass kind of long term is a, is, a, is a more success not it's it's still more people really regain the weight than not um, for similar reasons like lifestyle routine etc in knowledge uh, support but um i'll be interested to see ex exactly how that compares um how much more effective it is nevertheless it's not impossible to stay in weight loss some people find this study and its media interpretations really disappointing if the body fights back against weight loss does that mean there's no hope uh, others found the results somewhat reassuring. It relieved some of the sense of failure and shame around regaining weight. It acknowledged the difficulty and proved that it's not all mind over matter. But while this study does reinforce the importance of compassion, it doesn't indicate the long-term weight loss is impossible. The study suggests that extreme dieting comes with consequences. So I feel like we're calling this extreme dieting, but I feel like it's not necessarily fair to call it extreme dieting because it was a combination of extreme dieting with extreme exercise, like training six days a week for 90 minutes for your average Joe is definitely not a good idea, or that's more like the... What about this? Difference. What about this? What about the fact that the gastric, by, by, gastric band bypass would be closer to fasting than, than, than dramatic dieting or extreme dieting because maybe there's something about the chronically low calories as opposed to no calories at all. Yeah, and that, 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 that's kind of that's where, where, where my head instantly goes, kind of from kind of uh, looking at fasting over the last number of years. Um, I feel like the stress that the exercise puts on your body in terms of cortisol and you know, as it uh, has a relationship with insulin, etc. I feel like one of the problems with um, extreme exercise and, and uh, severely restricted diets is although you will lose weight in the short term, your body doesn't necessarily always have access to body fat. In, in the sense that we understand, you know, that when insulin is elevated, it's, it's, let's say it's more difficult for your body to access the fat stores 
So this can create a, a scenario where, um, you know, your 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 body will have to adapt because there's these excessive exercise demands, and your body can't necessarily access your 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 fat stores. Whereas when you're in a in an insulin depressed state that you get with fasting, it's much more easier for your body to to utilize your your your, your fat stores. So this is why your body would have to then downregulate metabolism in that scenario, whereas with fasting. The body has a steady supply of ketones, etc., and um, you know uh, what is it like? Polysis is 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 upregulated, let's say. So I don't know. I I would I would definitely need to look into it a little bit more to give a a concrete answer. But I feel, but I feel, I feel like that would be important. Like in nature, it's like it's either there's no food or there's food. It's like why would you ever only be eating a very small amount of what you'd be capable of eating? It's like unless and and the wattage demand has gone up. That seems very extreme it's like oh we have some food we don't have enough food and we're gonna to have to battle this out every single day as opposed to well it's just a famine take the break and whoa we won the victory now now the, the, the feast is here yeah exactly you know I, I, I do think that that is why i think fasting is one of the most powerful things that people can do but also that would be considered extreme in, in a lot of circles so but again yeah, it is it is yeah i would 100 percent recommend fasting for weight loss but it is also it's like it's what it's the exact same thing it's like if that's your only tool it's like well when you come back to your lifestyle you're just going to gain it back again so it's like paired with you trying to get on top of the rest of stuff it might be overwhelming and it might just put you off everything altogether because it's too much mental load or it's like you could try and utilize it as part of the whole plan but it's like yeah just this is people's problem is that they're too teetotal it's like i'm this is my only strategy is the only thing that i have and then I'm just going to fall back on my old lifestyle. It's like your old lifestyle is not like this whole thing where people just want the easy road. They want to be comfortable. It's like, that's not going to work. It's like, if you want a nice body, it's like the study is out. It's like, you know, what you consider nice is like, if you're, if you're overweight and soft and you're happy with that, that's no problem. You consider it nice. That's a hundred percent. But the key is like, if you want muscle tissue and you want to be lean and athletic, it's like, you're going to have to be active and also show some restraint in regards to, first world food it's like you can't eat donuts pizza this that the other and be super inactive and have no muscle mass and expect like you can't have it all the way that it just doesn't make sense but the key is as well it's like people just when you're not experienced like i believe all these things i didn't know it's like it's, it's like it's not a judge it's like, like you don't know people don't know because you're not in it and so it's like it's important that you get a coach and listen to conversations about it and listen to lots of conversations about it because there are so many different opinions so Get educated on yourself, but I find that 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 middle ground, that medium, moderate approach, for most conversations is generally pretty on the nose. So it's like you know, it's like, and and again, I really would steer anybody away from thinking that your metabolism is broken, key totally, because again, that's another extreme extreme limiting belief. It's like you can do it. It's like you just have to make it work and find what works for you. And I always say to people, if if there was literally one hundred million on the table. For you maintaining your 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 dream body for a year, it's like, what would you do then? It's like a hundred million, like literally set you family up up for life. It's like how would you do it? It's like you'd start thinking. You wouldn't just rush into every single diet. You'd be like, right, okay, this thing needs to work. Or maybe again, you'd have this this maybe this would supply you with an unnatural amount of motivation. You know, it's like and you'd be able to maintain these things for much longer. But like for me initially, when I started doing all this. I went from one extreme approach to the other, 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 and they all worked in the short term. 
and that that worked in the long term doing a lot of different things that worked in the short term for the long term the big the most important thing was not that i was doing the right thing but i was consistent with an effort in the right direction is that even when it failed and i i kind of fell off it it's like i got right back on i got right back on i got right back on until yeah. now eventually now i'm in a sustainable path anyway because i'm taking all the best bits but it's like look if you're going to do something extreme fine but when you come off that it's like you better be get ready to get back on something else and just keep doing this but it, you have to be a little bit objective it's like if you keep spiking up to where you're beginning it's like well now you've got a problem because now you're just running around in circles we don't want to do that either if you're going up and down and on average you're down for winning yeah yeah no i let's just send it this and it's a very it's a very interesting topic and i think one of the things is like like most things we, we don't we're not as smart as we think we are and we don't really have all of this stuff figured out i think the best approach is always going to be you know try some different things see what works for you and you know get some help and support get some get get some get somebody else's eyes on you so they can tell you like you know um or just give you some objective feedback because i said it's very hard when you're in it and you're in your emotions and you're managing your stress and you're managing your life and all your own problems it can be very hard to be objective with these things so that's why i always recommend you know working with a coach or having somebody who is maybe a little more experienced uh, with those stuff that can help you and can give you feedback um but yeah no it's it's the the biggest loser approach is not recommended uh, you know don't go don't go extreme don't do both sides of the coin i feel like you probably could do one you know, maybe probably the, the the dieting. I think like you know, twelve hundred calories. You probably could get away with it for a little while, but I would definitely not combine that with extreme exercise. And I think that's one of the nuances that they maybe don't address strongly enough in that article. Um, whereas I've seen my my experience with fasting has been um, you know, relative relatively good in the sense that you know it's. It's, it's it's what fasting is more a longevity tool a health tool not really a weight loss so although you will lose a lot of weight even like you know you, like you always gain the weight back with that too but it's just from the the same it's the same lack of habit structure routine support system support network all that kind of stuff as well so you know i think people need to experiment with different things but i feel like fasting is the one that do nothing it's kind of very similar to the gastric band so maybe you don't want to go that far because to be fair, there does seem to be some decent, I'm just kind of skimming through a, a study there, and like a decent amount of people do seem to keep the weight off. But I feel like fasting would have a similar um, a similar effect, and you don't maybe have to go as extreme. Because it's funny that like fasting is just, is, is viewed as 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 more, as what was more, more extreme. extreme than, 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 than <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. And, yeah. and again, it's no knock on gastric band, but it's like, right, how do you, what's a natural gastric band? It's called zip your mouth shut. And again, it's so hard because you have the choice to eat. And that's the issue. The issue is that we back come back to down to your willpower, which is really the choice. And that's really the issue. It's like your metabolism is not broken because if we zip your stomach shut and start making you get sick every time you try and eat, you lose the weight. It's, it's literally, it's like, we just need to go a little bit further up and we need to put a, a metaphorical zip instead of like a metaphorical gastric band, actually just close your mouth and things will be okay. And uh, and the big thing again is like, why are you choosing to eat? Becomes again, back to this mental conversation. How do people sustain fasting? They go within, they start to get quiet. You know, even though the hormones rage and you start to learn to breathe through the storm and not be tied to this vessel, this body, because you are spirit, you are mind. You know, it's like, and so again, we're getting a little bit down deeper into the rabbit hole. And that's a completely relevant question. This is again why I feel like this whole thing with the addiction element of thing, the 12 steps is like, this is why most people aren't successful because most people don't go that deep 
into who they are and into themselves. And if you do, you know, we start getting away from this culture and these cultural problems that is the problem for the mass and start becoming that, you know, that spirit connecting back to yourself and being a little bit more um, nuanced and being a little bit more, a little bit calmer, just not, not been tied to your body. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We're, we're, we're out of time for the day, folks. Um, any questions or queries, uh, feel free to you know drop a comment on the, on the video, send us a message on Instagram, Facebook. Um, you can email us through our website as well. Um, want to check out our programs, want to work with a coach, get a structured workout program, not uh, fall into the same pitfalls as, 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 let's say, the biggest losers. Just go to fightingfitness.com. Preach your time, preach your listen to the podcast. You made it all the way at the end. Thank you very much. Um, I will see you next week. And sorry, last, lastly, last thing, Precision Nutrition, another amazing resource. So again, fighting fit, uh, fight, fightingfitnation.com or Precision Nutrition or and Precision Nutrition could be a check it out. I'm pretty sure they've got some sort of they've got some sort of like free five day challenge because of like Precision Nutrition or, 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 or top quality yeah. nutrition. They, 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 they are. Yeah. They coach. They coach the coaches. All right, guys, gotta leave it there. See you in the next one. Bye. Peace.